Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. My name is Dave DeBow, and today I've got a special guest on the call with me today, and it is Canada's leading multifamily investor trainer, a guy who's definitely been around the block a few times when it comes to multifamily properties, and just a very, very sharp gentleman, Mr. Pierre-Paul Turgeon. How are you doing today, Pierre-Paul? Great, Dave. Thank you for having me on your show. That's my pleasure. And I was hoping, 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 hoping that I wouldn't mess up your last name, but I, I think you I did. Didn't quite you did well. With, with a last name like Dubot, I should say it a hell of a lot better, but I can't even <laughs> say my own last name right. So there we go. Well, so, Pierre Paul, for those folks that. Better try for the recording. <laughs> for those folks who don't know you yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got involved in real estate, this whole crazy world of real estate? in the first place yeah i you know what it's uh getting the first time i heard about real estate in particular apartment buildings they was actually a teenager my uh, best friend's dad owned a bunch of apartment buildings in, in our small hometown in northwestern quebec norenda quebec Roy Noranda, quebec and his family was doing pretty well this is like 40 some years ago 45 yeah 40 some 43 years ago and his dad was able to take the family of five on beautiful trips to Disneyland. Imagine that 40 years ago. Not every family did that. So that's with apartment buildings. The first clue I ever got. Then my wife, before we got married, was involved in uh, small rental properties, holding and purchasing holdings from small rental properties. Of course, the moment that I got uh, engaged to her, guess who was the labor to work on these rental properties? It was me. So that's sort of uh, the, you know, my first involvement. Then, of course, in later years, I started working with uh, CMHC. I did a few things. Initially, I did a very, very cool career at CMHC at Kendall Workers and Housing Corporation. I didn't put that in my bio because it would be too long, but I initially started with CMHC International, Dave. I worked on international finance uh, projects in Gabon, Africa, Romania, China, India, South America as well. So whereby CMHC was using its expertise in mortgage default insurance to help other countries uh, set up something similar to what we have in Canada, which is, as you know, one of the best housing finance systems in the world. And then I wasn't uh, happy to just be a project manager, which I was, well, I was. So I took a job in Calgary as uh, an underwriter initially, single uh, home underwriter, like uh, so small residence with small rental properties. Did that for not very long, about two six or seven months then they yanked me away and put me in default management and real estate department so my job was to manage real estate and default management at CMHC so that's kind of uh, pretty cool because the default management was default management of apartment buildings mm. and then here's the good news uh, this was management of default of apartment buildings which rarely default Dave and then that's when the other light went on I said oh okay these are good assets to have apartment buildings they rarely default because I was the guy I was bored out of my mind, and I kid you not, this is no joke. So I decided to move to the front end, and I became a multifamily underwriter at CMHC, during which time I saw how much money people were making <laughs> with apartment billings, and then I became a multifamily underwriter, and then I got tired of being a bureaucrat, and I uh, left CMHC, and I started buying apartment buildings, and as you said, or as indicated in my bio now, I own 160 doors worth over $22 million. So that's sort of how it's a long history, but that's how I came about the real estate. Well, and I imagine, yeah, coming at it from that angle, unlike the rest of us, you definitely had to dial in on how to analyze a deal right from the get-go. Because <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I would agree. And that's sort of, uh, that is my core expertise. Serves me well as an investor and as a coach and trainer, obviously, uh, Dave. So yeah, yeah most definitely. Yeah. Okay, well, you're the perfect guy to talk about this. So, and obviously it's your preference, but why do you think investing in multifamily properties is better than, let's say, single family homes or flips or doing rent to own or, you know, not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but, you know, obviously you're the guy when it comes to multifamily investing. Yeah. Why do you think it's the way to go? It's clearly a question I've answered a thousand times. Well, first of all, I like life. I like to have free time. So, right, like all of us, real estate is about creating a lifestyle for ourselves. So, apartment buildings are a lot less labor intensive because when you crunch the numbers, you've got two operating expense items one for a professional property manager and one for the on site manager. So, they're the parties that handle the hassle of being a landlord. All right. So, it, more, more time to myself. You've got better economies of scale. The cost of operating an apartment building on a per unit basis is a lot lower the more units you have within a building. So you end up with more money in your jeans. But especially, so my two favorite advantages, like I said, that of you know, having the hassles of being a landlord, you know, subcontracted out to uh, an on-site manager. And, um, you, out, you outsource the tenants and the toilets. You got it. I never get that call, Dave. I never fill vacancies. I, you know, it's all. And, and, and here's the thing that I should say. The property has to cash flow sufficiently to pay all expenses, including these two expense items. All right. Yeah. So that's very cool. But the second advantage about it is that it's the multiply wealth effect. Okay. When, you know, people who invest a lot of your folks, I understand invest in small rental properties and the, the, the threshold is anything below four units, four rental units is called small rental properties. Anything above is what I do commercial residential commercial. But when you do the valuation of small rental properties, it's the sales comparison approach, right? To arrive at a value, right? So you compare, you know, recent sales of similar assets and you adjust you know, all that. In my world, it's the NOI that's the driver evaluation, net operating income. But here's the kicker. Every time you increase your NOI by a dollar, the property will appreciate by about $16. So it takes a lot less time to create wealth because of the multiplier wealth effect, if you will, or the multiplier effect, or the big lift effect is what one of my former property managers would call it. So that's sort of why I find it's better, lower risk from a vacancy point of view, Dave. If you got a single home you're renting, you've got a vacancy, it's 100% vacant. Whereas let's say my 24 unit building, if I have one vacancy, it's still operating at 96% capacity, it's 4% vacant. So you've got, you know, it's a less risky asset. And by the way, banks, not me saying so, Banks will tell you that after principal residences, it's the second type of asset, apartment buildings, that is, that banks love to land on. So there you go, my friend. That's the lowdown. And you definitely got an inside scoop on that. Right? I <laughs> can, can we go on a tangent? This is something. Yeah, sure. The big aha moment came to me precisely was when I was an underwriter at CMHC, okay? And guess when? Remember uh, the fall of 2008? I'm sure you do. Yeah. It was pretty crazy, wasn't it? Yes. I was buying my first building on my own. I had been a silent investor before, so I wasn't running the show. The property is a, it was an apartment building. But then I, I think I signed an offer to purchase, was accepted in August. And then, you know, the, fun, the, the, the fall months, I was working on my financing, right? And at some point, my lender wasn't sure if he'd have funds to fund my deal. Remember, this was the credit crunch. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. 2009 was the Great Recessions, right, since uh, the, the 30s. 
And uh, here's the kicker. I was a multifamily underwriter at Synergy in those years. And I have never seen David during 2000, that year of 2009, people make so much money with apartment buildings. Because do you remember what happened to interest rates back then? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. What happened? I'm testing your memory now, right here on the spot. Oh, geez, don't be scared. Interest don't be, rates, what happened to interest what? rates? Well, here's the thing, because I'm remembering my mom back in the 80s and things went crazy <laughs> with interest rates yeah. in the 80s. So it didn't happen like that, but it, it definitely was a bit of a shift. Well, interest rates dropped by point and a half. Yeah. One and a half percent. People were refinancing. Dave, think about this. Worst recession since the Great Depression in 1930. Yet, I've never seen so many large, especially the large landlords, but even the small guys like me. I'm still considered a small potato in the world of multifamily investing. People were making so much money with their apartment buildings. They were basically using them like ATMs. They were refinancing and pulling millions and millions and millions of dollars out of those assets. Yeah, because the money got so cheap. I mean, exactly. So, borrow the money there. And then that, your, your, your payments go down, your net operating income goes up, poof. There you go. And I've never seen so much people, like so many people make so much money. I said, I want to do that when I grow up. There you go. <laughs> I've done it. I'm doing it. So I got, I've got a question for you. So yeah. Paul, you're talking about your properties, your portfolios at the stage now where you can outsource your, your management. You've got, you know, a big enough portfolio that you can outsource the day-to-day -day hassles of yep. everything. Yep. At what point or what size of a property do we need to, to buy to have those kind of economies of scale? Not to make a sexual connotation, but bigger is better. The better the, the economies of scale, which is why the large REITs, institutional investors, prefer those high-rises, concrete high-rises, which are lower maintenance and all of that. Your operating expenses, the more units you have within a building, the lower your operating expenses are and the more money you end up making, Dave. So the bigger, the better. This being said, I always tell my students when I teach this stuff, you know, uh, beggars can't be choosers. There's always an opportunity cost. Even a small 10-sweeter will make you money. If you sit on it long enough and you're in a reasonable market, you know, you'll pay your principal down and the property will appreciate and you'll get a bit of a cash flow. And mm -hmm. you'll always make money. But the, the more units within a building, the more money you make. There's no doubt about it. And so I guess the mindset that we have to work on with people is how they can get their head around, like, let's say I'm a, you know, average real estate investor here in Canada. Yeah. I've got two or three properties. Maybe they're single family homes. Maybe they've got a basement suite. Yeah. I want to step up to the next level. But that's, that's been my wheelhouse. That's been my comfort zone. The idea of going from that to 24, 48, 50 some units yep. building is a huge leap. So how do you, how do you take your people, and I know, know we can't get into it too much in depth, but big broad strokes, how do you take people from where they are into that without having to go through all those baby steps or start with a fourplex and with a sixplex and an eightplex and you know that sort of thing? Let me backtrack a little bit. So these are my students. You're describing my students right now. A lot of them, including last weekend, because I had my last live workshop in Hamilton, Ontario, right? And by the way, I almost got a perfect grade again from my students, not from me, but almost perfect 10 out of 10. The other two students that didn't give me a 10 gave me a 9. So I think I can live with that. You know, nine. nine and 10s, I'm going to be, uh, you know, and this is my students speaking. A lot of them, they've come to me sometimes precisely. They're either trying to avoid those baby steps more likely, though, they're maxed out. The banks, because as you know, they use the TDSR, total debt service ratio, and which takes into account one's income. 
So those are the people that whose credit has maxed out. Then they want to switch to multifamily. The reason being, your income is not most time a factor, qualifying factor. All right. So that's the one thing. But you talked the first few words you said in your question. You said the word what mindset. Well, you and I, Dave, you've been in the business long enough. Everything's about mindset. Okay. I come from like I said earlier, small mining town in Quebec was from a poor family. Number nine, we're a good French Canadian Catholic family. Okay. Not 12 kids. I have six sisters and five brothers. So I didn't grow up with that kind of abundance mindset and lots of limiting beliefs about money. So it, it all begins by busting those limiting beliefs, raising your financial mental thermostat is what I tell my students. Okay. So it begins with that. Then though, I got to tell you, Dave, it's a different kettle of fish. You need to do your homework. So when I teach this stuff, the planning and research module, it's a lot of homework. You can't skip it because there's much less margin up for error, if any. Mm. And if you make mistakes, they're very, very costly because you're buying a multi-million dollar asset. Right. So it's all about preparation and having a proven system. And so that's kind of, you know, I could go on, but that's sort of in a nutshell is uh, obviously this is what I teach. I teach, uh, yeah. I teach what the banks want to know. Mm. Right. Which are what are the risk factors? There's four of them. Property risk factor, market valuation in us as borrowers, investors were a risk factor. And then how to mitigate them. And when I raise money, Dave, I don't teach this per se because I know you're very good at this. And actually, I'm thinking of being on your podcast now on this coming Monday, to be honest with you, because I'm sure I can learn. Although I'm very successful at it, to be honest with you, I have a core group of investors. But here's the cool thing. The system that I teach, which is essential, like I said, to you know, tell the banks, hey, this is a good deal because I've assessed all the four key risk factors and mitigated them. If you think about it, when you raise money, what do your investors want to know? Same thing. They yeah. want to know that you've assessed the risks, mitigated them, right? So when I pitch a deal, that's how I pitch it, using the same system I used to get financing. So there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely don't know everything there is to, to know about raising capital by no stretch of the imagination, I've got my twist on things. But I guess that would be a big question people have was, go, well, geez, Pierre Paul, I mean, I'm working in properties that are worth 400 grand. Yep. Now we're, we're stepping up, we're looking at five or six million. Yep. So even if they've worked with investor partners to date, that's a huge leap. Because again, they're, they're gonna have to raise millions of dollars instead of a, a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Yep. So what, you know, we can't get into too much depth, but. How do you see people making that jump? All the time. No, seriously, one of the things I try to do at my workshop, which I did this past Sunday, my last workshop in Hamilton, Ontario, I bring back successful students mm -hmm. to come and share. First of all, here's proof it's feasible. Right. Like, I mean, you and I, like, you know, we're successful what we do, but we started one foot, we put one foot in front of the, the, the other, and so on, right? And so, but it, it's to have a, it's, it's, it's mindset is the biggest hurdle. It's not the mechanics, it's not the money. But the higher the bar, which multifamily with multi-million dollar assets, the, the bar is higher. You gotta use a system, very detailed system, and you, you gotta do your homework. If you do your homework, like I said, you know, I'm French Canadian, as you said, and I, I love cooking, and to me, in real estate investing is like a recipe. And you can have a fairly, fairly predictable outcome as long as you really do your homework and do your assessment and evaluation of the asset of the market and all that you'll, you'll be successful some markets they for example uh, you know i'm in alberta uh it's not a fun time to be a landlord in alberta I still have high vacancies uh low in migration and you know the fu fundamental drivers uh both financial and demographic not very great 
improving slowly, but let's say I decide to invest in a higher risk market, mitigate the risk. How would you do that? Borrow less money, right? Don't, don't, don't over leverage the financing. So there's always a way to do that. And if people approach it that way, it's very convincing. But of course, your, your investment horizons, your investment horizon has to be matching the one, uh, that of your investors. And so you got you to gotta really make sure that your, your investors or yourself are on the same wavelength. That's yeah. what I would say. It's no, a system. Very well said. Pierre Paul, I told you before we jumped on live here that chances are we get off on, on tangents. And, and we have. We definitely have. I don't, I don't think I, I think I only asked two of the original questions I had on the sheet there. So good news is that means we get to have another conversation. At another okay. As we're wrapping up, we got about a minute here, my friend. So if people are interested, you know, they've, they've listened to this or they're saying, yeah, you know what? Multifamily makes sense. If they want to get a little bit more information about you or what you're doing, do you have any resources they can get their hands on? Yeah, I have lots, Dave. First of all, my website is mickmultifamilyinvestingcanada.com. There they can go and sign up for this ebook, Multifamily Investing Secrets Revealed. Okay, so again, it's at mickmultifamilyinvestingcanada.com. I've got a Facebook page as well, Multifamily Investing Canada. And here's my goal, Dave. I will have a lot more resource. Like you're very good at it. I've been uh, watching you over the years on social media and all that. So that's sort of for me between now and the end of 2019. Like I said, Sunday, that interview I did with one of my graduate students who's now buying his second multifamily property. And by the way, he only took the course two years ago in, in Hamilton. All right. I shot a video interview of that. I've got video interview with lenders, mortgage brokers, all sort of stuff. My big goal, I've been very... Uh, you know, delinquent and not putting out more stuff online. I will between now and from now it's going to be more regular, but it's all at multifamilyinvestingcanada.com, mickcanada.com. I've got uh, online courses as well that people is available now. Workshop for this year. I've had three. I've had one uh, close to you in uh, Langley mid-April. I had one in Edmonton uh, early or mid-May. And then the last one was in Hamilton. I will have some more workshop by people signing up to get the ebook. They'll be on my list and be prompted when I have another workshop. But at this point in 2019, I don't have any plan. But like I said, more good stuff coming free. And by the way, I'm not, I don't send out a lot of emails. I don't have time. So when I send out an email, usually because I'm, I'm offering some kind of value, so. No, and I'm on your list. And yes, yes, you're, you're not, you're not whacking, whacking no. us towards, that's for Thank sure. Thank you. Thank you for confirming that. But I don't do enough, Dave. But anyway, it's coming. It's I've been really building over the years, so it's coming. Pierre Paul, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for sharing some of your experience. And again, we'll have that URL in the show notes. You can click on that. Awesome. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Dave. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. All right, everybody. See you on the next episode. Take care. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.